Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here and season's greetings to everybody. Hello, Christmas is upon us once again, the most miserable time of year. Ding dong merrily on my Christmas balls. Yeah, bar hung bugs all round. <laughs> so Christmas is right around the corner and this year we've actually found a Christmas Cage film to watch in December. Unlike January when we stumbled upon Trapped in Paradise a month after it was relevant. At least we're getting this one done in good time, I suppose. <laughs> so, preconceptions of this movie. I'd never heard of it. Like I, It's a film from 2000s. Christmas films are generally well known. And obviously it's Nick Cage. But first time I'd ever heard of it, this one. Either of you fellas know about this film before? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. And I almost had to... I almost had to pay to see this movie. <laughs> and that never happens. Um, and so that, that tells you it's fame. I don't think it helps that Amazon have a series called The Family Man Out, I think, which didn't help my um, exclusive means of uh, securing this title. Did make it more difficult, didn't it? Stu, obviously you're the Christmas connoisseur of the group. Did you know about this? No, no clue. No clue whatsoever. And... Um, like we talked about last year, well, this year when we talked about Trapped in Paradise, that it's amazing how Nick Cage hasn't got a Christmas film out when everyone else seems to have done. And when you throw in Tealy, the, the lovely Tealy Owney as well, you think, oh, you definitely know about this. No, nope, no one's heard about it. Hard to find. Have to go through the dark web um, to get, get hold of it. But then I'm, I'm so glad that we did. So you mentioned Tia Leone. I was quite surprised to see her IMDb page. She's only got 27 acting credits to her name. She feels like someone who's been around the periphery of the acting scene for quite a while without like properly fully breaking through. I don't know if I'm being harsh there, but I mean, her biggest role was what, 26 years ago at this point in one of uh, Michael Bay's better films, Bad Boys, back in 95. And then not a fat lot else since then, other than the odd appearance here and there. Jurassic, I said Jurassic Park was yeah. bigger than that one. Jurassic Park 3, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm, William H. Macy. Was it? It's no well, bad boys. I, I bad couldn't boys put my right? finger on. I couldn't put my finger on what she'd been in, and then it wasn't until I went on um, the interweb that I, that I thought, oh, do I know her from Jurassic Park 3? Like, hmm, I forgot what she'd been in something a bit more... Um, impactful than that. Apparently, she's in Jurassic World Dominion, according to um, according to my Google source. Is that the game? Dominion? Uh, no, no. Dominion's the um, Dominion's the the movie. Okay, I've seen them all, but I just, I, to be honest, they're the kind of films I've just Fallen Fallen out. Kingdom was the last one, so that must be the new one. Yeah, it's the twenty twenty two one, like the one upcoming. Yeah. Oh, right, um, okay. So presumably, much like they did to purely pedal for nostalgia, they'll bring back any kind of character they can from the original trilogy to kind of bolster this story, I guess. 
Oh, interesting. Uh, the other big name in this, Don Cheadle. Like, he feels like he was grossly underserved in this movie, but he is in it nonetheless. I, I do like John Don Cheadle. I think he's a good, solid all-rounder. Like, I don't think he's a particular, like, I don't think he's outstanding at one thing, but you can put him in a dramatic role or a comedic role and he'll always give you a performance. Like, I think he's decent, decent every man, almost, thinks the best way to put it. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Brett Ratner is the director, which made me immediately think I'm going to fucking hate this film. <laughs> I just find his work to be very generic. He, he always tries to appeal to everybody, which in turn just puts me off his movies. And plus, he's also apparently not a good person, which I don't think helps. Have any of you seen the trailer on this one? Uh, no. No. Oh, were we in for a treat? No, it's like the most generic-looking, freaky, Friday bullshit you've ever seen. Like, they even play Once in a Lifetime and U2's One over the trailer. <coughs> like, it's proper generic. It's awful. So, yeah, not the film that you assume it's going to be. But whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'm sure we'll <laughs> find out. <laughs> so, IMDb describes this film as a fast lane investment broker offered the opportunity to see how the other half lives, wakes up to find that his sports car and girlfriend have become a minivan and wife. Jack Campbell thought he had everything. Merry Christmas. I'm giving everything I've got to this deal. You're a credit to capitalism, Jack. Then one day, his past caught up to him. Kate Reynolds. She was my girlfriend in college. I almost married her. But instead, you left her. I took the road less traveled. And fate. What? Him? Me. Gave him a glimpse. What do you need, Jack? I got everything I need. Yeah? You just remember that. You brought this on yourself. At what his life could have been. Kate? Come on, Dad. Get up. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Jack. Strong coffee. Where's my Ferrari? You got a Ferrari? Just tell me what's happening to me. This is a glimpse. A glimpse of what? This is not my beautiful house. This is very strange because this isn't my house. Uh, This is not my beautiful wife. Those those aren't my kids. You're not blaming my dad, are you? I don't have time for this. I'm in the middle of a deal. Well, you're working on a new deal now, baby. Good Lord. Do you know why I work here? Because you're the best damn tire guy in the state of New Jersey. You must have needed this every day. You needed it in Mad Wheels. You want me. That is the general idea. Oh, God, you're beautiful. How can you look at me like you haven't seen me every day for the last 13 years? (laughs) Jack! coming in and out of people's lives, messing things up. It's not right. I need you to remember me, Kay. Keep it with you no matter what happens. The film opens at the airport. Jack, played by Nicolas Cage, is leaving Kate, played by Tia Leone. We get exposition right off the bat. She has been accepted to a prestigious law school and he's off to work for Barclays Bank in London. She tries to talk Cage into changing their plans because in her heart it feels wrong. He kisses her and says that one year in London won't change how he feels about her. 
Cut to 13 years later. Cage is in bed talking to some blonde bombshell. The woman is getting dressed with her back to the camera. I think they're trying to imply that that is supposed to be Tia Leone. But the woman who is talking, like, she has got a complete different accent. Like, it definitely isn't her. <laughs> so the pullback and reveal doesn't really reveal anything. We know who it isn't. Cage and the woman have some flirty banter where they say they'd like to meet again. And Cage tells her she's an amazing lover. What a fucking line that was. Is she a hooker? I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Um, my first note of the whole of this on my notes was, what a bastard, ha! Um, because I <laughs> like I hadn't clicked that it, he'd gone, he'd uh, that it changed yet. I thought it, I just assumed he cheated on her at this point. Um, and as I thought, oh, they're playing this off the bat pretty quickly. That he's a scumbag. Um, then it turns out obviously that wasn't the case. Well, not not yet anyway. Um, but yeah, I assumed uh, I assumed she was a uh, a working girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Blondie leaves and Cage gets out of bed to get ready. He's singing along to Rigoletto before playing air guitar. So Cage is playing a banker who plays air guitar to classical music. Like we're gonna get Schmuck Cage, aren't we? I was really excited. We're gonna get Dickhead Cage. Oh, it he was putting way more effort in than I expected. Mm. At this point, I thought, oh, hello. Um, this this shouldn't be. This isn't right. He's putting in a performance here. So far, he's putting more than left behind effort in so that's a, that's a good thing <laughs> yeah absolutely he then flirts with the older lady in the lift asking when she'll leave her corpse of a husband and run away with him I, I genuinely thought at this point i'm going to love this film if this is the cage we're getting cage is at work pushing his employees hard who reminds him that he did, it is christmas eve this film is going to be a christmas carol you just know immediately this film is going to be a Christmas Carol. That's where it's going. It wears its Christmas Carol on its sleeve. It, it's, it tells you right off the bat where we're going with it. Mm. I don't know about you, Stu, but we're like when because me and Sam watched it together, um, it was very much a shouting out, "Oh, it's a wonderful life! Oh, it's trading mm. places! Oh, it's this!" <laughs> like it just um, it it very much shoehorned and cherry picked when it wanted, didn't it? Mm, it really did. It's like a, it's a Christmas film best of. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mega mix of Christmas films, isn't it? Joy Bunny, but by Joy Bunny, yeah. <laughs> I that was the first Joy Bunny um, mega mix was the first ever audio. Um, of any kind I ever bought on cassette. Do you know? Do you know what mine was? The first ever, the first ever audio I bought, not CD. Have a guess. Cause Torco Corners. No, <laughs> no. Andy, have a guess. It's obviously not going to be something rock because no, nope. it's going to be something appalling, like I say, appalling like All Saints, but All Saints weren't appalling; they were actually decent. Uh, let me tell you to, to uh, put you out of your misery. It was uh, who let the dogs out? <laughs> <laughs> the bar harming. Yeah, that's the first ever piece of music that um, I bought that wasn't a CD. Like the first ever bit of media. Incredible. Was that that was a video CD as well? This was on cassette. Oh. <laughs> so I had it. I had it on video CD. So I could watch the uh, the video on my laptop at the time. Of course, you did. Mm. That doesn't surprise me, like, at yeah. all. 100%. I 
I think I had like Thong Sung and the Holly Valance. Why do I keep mentioning Holly Valance every time we talk about like nineties music? That's Holly Valance amazing. Naughty Girl, she is amazing. Um, yeah, the Naughty Girl video was on the CD, so obviously I had to snap that up. Yeah, great days. And that, there was a Rachel Stevens one as well. I used to quite like Rachel Stevens. Um, I know we've sidebarred massively, so we might as well just go one <laughs> like tiny step further. I was clearing out the garage the other day, and uh, I've got them up here now. Maybe we'll do this as a bonus episode if we can get this episode to so many listens. We'll set a target later on. Um, I was cleaning out the garage the other day, and for the for the purposes of those um, without the visual aid, I've got FHM's 100 Sexiest Women in the World 2008 and 2006 um, in front of me here. And both Holly Valance and Rachel Stevens feature, I believe, as... Um, entries in both of these um editorials yes i've got both of them as well incredible I, I probably I've, would have had them to be fair i've probably i never threw them away they're probably all stuck together but i'm <laughs> i'm pretty sure they're still in the loft all of them for a, a 15 year period now it's I, really I've definitely been all mine this is de- this is like a who's who of back in the day kind of like that lad culture that was so uh so much Basically, what I spent my EMA money on, which for those not living here, yeah. basically money given to those disadvantaged youths um, <laughs> to help buy towards like your schooling costs. <laughs> Except it went, it went on Nuts and Zoo magazine. <laughs> uh, that's always one of my favourite gags. We've just completely abandoned the film at this point. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite gags in Spaced when. Daisy's taking the piss out of Tim about masturbating over Gillian Anderson. And Tim says, but she was FHM's sexiest woman in yeah. 1998, I think it was. And then he asked, uh, then Daisy asked him, where did you come? And he said, oh, I wasn't ranked. And I don't know why, but that always makes me laugh. Yeah, it's, a, it's the blase way you say it, like the, almost the bitter way you say it, is it? Um, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Anyway, mm. I digress. <laughs> Yeah, back to the film. <laughs> Gail, Gail Porter was number one around about that time. She, oh, she Gail was. Porter, yeah. She's lovely. Like I remember the when she was um, put on the side of the Houses of Parliament. Like that's quite a, a legendary uh, site, wasn't it? That one. And her episode, if you've ever listened to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces, her episode on that is fantastic. I'd fully recommend that. She was actually um, a temporary host on the Gadget Show as well for a bit. When uh, yeah, she was yeah. When Wolverhampton's own Susie went to uh, a maternity, or she she disappeared for a bit. But yeah, she yeah. was um, she was good. You know what would have been brilliant? So on like Spotify, when you're on drive mode, um, you can press like a button to like skip fifteen minutes. It's really good for like shows with adverts. So I should probably say, well, we're not sponsored by anybody, so fuck it. Um, imagine if someone pressed it a couple of times. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they're talking about <laughs> like, FHM's sexiest women of 2006. <laughs> it's taken a turn. <clears throat> right, so, a family family man, right. So, anyway, right, Tilly only reaches out to Nick Cage. She leaves a message with his PA. He decides that he's not going to reach out because it would mean it would be mean to lead her on, assuming she only reached out to reminisce over old times and rekindle their flame. Cage finishes work, walks home, snow starts to fall. He stops at a bodega and grabs some eggnog. Have either of you two ever tried eggnog? No. 
No, it's got alcohol in though, isn't it? Is that that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's rum. It, it has got some some form of alcohol in. The only time I've had it, Starbucks used to do an eggnog latte, and it's it's incredible. But it's like about five hundred calories for a small one. I've got a request of our listeners uh, when they get this. Talk to me about Tim Hortons if we're going to talk hot American drinks because one's opened up very near to us, Stu, and I know nothing about it. But everyone, a few, a few, a few months ago, this was. Has it? Yeah, of course it is. Yes, it has. Yeah, yes, right, yeah. yes, it has. <laughs> wink, wink, and um, and everyone's going wild for it, and I don't know nothing about it. Speak to Mister Ash Dolan. Oh, he, he will a, tell you all you need he, to know about. Is he a yeah. Horton for Horton? Yes, he is very, very, very much so. But apparently it's better than the Starbucks coffee. So mm. now it's open. I will definitely be going there on Wednesday. <laughs> December the 4th. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, Don Cheadle is in this bodega trying to cash a winning lotto ticket for $200. The assistant won't cash it for him, applying that he won't pay out because he's a black man. Cheadle takes out his gun. So Cage steps in, trying to defuse the situation, offering to buy the ticket from Cheadle to help him out. Cheadle refuses any help. Cage then goes to sleep. He then wakes up the day after and he's in bed with Tia Leone and two children. And it's Christmas Day or Christmas... No, it was Christmas Day, wasn't it, this part, at this point? Confused, he rushes to his office, who won't let him in. Panicked, he sees that he's Lambo outside and Don Cheadle is sat inside. Cheadle explains that this is all a glimpse and it'll take as long as it takes until Cage figures it out. Cheadle leaves Cage with a bicycle belt and abandons him. So we're a quarter of the way into the film at this point. How are we feeling about it? Stu? Other than it being the pain by numbers mega mix that we said, I was really enjoying it, actually. I mean, how he's gone completely manic Cage as well. And not let up at one bit and multiple times. I loved it. I thought it was really fun for what it was. And mm. and then the, the part where he wakes up, I thought, here we go. <laughs> but at, at no point that I've been bored whatsoever. No, I, I agree. I think it's it was a good solid start, as you say. It started off crazy and it just sort of carried on being a little bit batshit, and I was I was fine with it at this point, and that's sort of what I wanted. Matt? Yeah, I um, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, and I've put, for fuck's sake, I'm enjoying this on my notes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I was enjoying it. I did think, though, as soon as it gets to him switching his life Freaky Friday style, I'm going to, it's going to fall off the wagon. Um, so that's pretty much where we're up to now, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Like I mean, we, we sort of know that Cage is this schmuck and we know that he's going to learn a lesson at some point. So I suppose that you are right. The, the family life is going to be the bit where you expect the wheels to fall off a little bit. I didn't want it to go trapped in paradise, Cage. I wanted it to be more like asshole banker Cage that we, we've had so far. Cage eventually gets back home to Tilione and she is pissed because Cage took off on Christmas Day. One of his kids takes the bicycle belt and just fucks off with it. Like, what was the point in that? I, I didn't get it. Across a series of Christmas-themed parties and events, Jack realised that he's trapped in this life, in this other universe, this other world. 
this is the life he would have had if he'd have stayed with Kate back at the start of the film when he got on the plane. Uh, he would have been a tyre salesman and she would have been a non-profit lawyer with two kids making enough to survive but not thrive. Over the course of the holiday season, Jack begins to bond with the kids, love his wife, and after a fortuitous event, meets his old boss from the bank. Jack manages to impress him and gets offered a job. I feel like I've dreamt quite a lot of the film by getting to this point, but to be perfectly honest, there's not a fat lot that really happens throughout this film, especially in that like a good middle hour of the film where it's just a little bit of a party here, a party there, and not much development of the story or the characters mm, yeah you a you missed out the tia leone nude in the shower scene which was way racier than i expected it to be for i've got that a little bit later i was going to come back to that oh yeah, yeah. well <laughs> I've got no as well <laughs> um there was the bit with the suit as well i think that i think we've skipped by this point we've already had the when he's trying on the suit and then he they have a meltdown in the middle of the store not mm. sure if that's that's yet to come or it's already happened. I think it's already happened by this. Just point. before this bit, yeah. And uh, I thought that was really well done. I thought actually they've um, they've nailed this on the head, really. But I, I take massive umbrage in the message of this film, in that just because he didn't take the banker's job doesn't mean somebody loses their ambition to succeed in anything that they do just because they're not a massive corporate success. And I think that's what's really lazy about this is just that like, okay, so just because he didn't take that job doesn't mean that what he's doing now, he isn't going to be a huge success in. I just think it was really strange how all of a sudden he becomes like, it completely changes everything about his personality just because he didn't take that one job. Like mm. nothing else could have ever happened, but I know that doesn't fit in with the narrative and the, the heart of the film, I suppose. But, it just it personally annoyed me. Yeah, well, I think it's having thirteen years of living that life. I think mm. That's what I think. That's more the more the point that that's the life he's used to. That's the life he's, he's lot lost. Open brackets um, to then go from to the complete well, almost the complete opposite of it. And it's just a fish out of water tale. And mm. I know why you have skipped over so much, but it is like. Just like little set pieces, like the bowling mm. thing, set piece, and the friends and the um, the thing with the um, the other woman, the uh, the school mom thing, they're all like little. Not they're not like you can line them all up and say yeah this is this is, but you are right. It's not really. It doesn't matter, does it? At the end of the day, compared no. to the actual message of the story, just it gets you to where you're going. Mm. So there's the bit, as you mentioned, with the, the other woman. So he's at the, yeah, he has a few flirty encounters with that. And then at the bowling alley, he asks that is something going on between us? Because he doesn't know if in this other life, whether the this version of him is having an affair. And then it never comes back. Like it never plays a significant role in the rest of the film. Much like the suit thing. Like, yes, it, it was well handled. But it never played, it never came back up. It never really reared its head. Nothing that went on during that middle portion of the film had any significance to where we were going long term, which I felt was quite a missed opportunity, to be honest. It, it felt, the middle bit I felt, felt very flabby. 
it could have been a lot tighter and they could have given it some relevance and importance to the rest of it. Yeah, and, and considering we're looking at plus two hour runtime, mm. do you know what I mean? Like prior to watching this, I thought, Christ me, like I'm going to struggle through this. So it could have it could have been more efficient, put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. So after getting offered his old job back, Kate says to him that they should be happy with the life they have. And even though the job would increase their disposable income that they would have available to them, they should be grateful. Jack at this point is happy with his new life. So when he runs back into Don Cheadle, Jack asks him to leave him as he is. Cheadle reminds him that this is just a glimpse and that he must return to his old life at some point. Jack attempts to stay awake all night so that he doesn't wake up in his old life, but it's a losing fight and eventually falls asleep. Jack wakes back up the day after, but it's at Christmas Day again, but he's in his old normal banker life. Jack decides not to close on this huge merger that was happening at the start of the film so that he can get over to Kate's apartment. On arrival at the apartment, he finds that she has been that she was packing up and she just wanted to return a box of his old sheet. Like Jack, Kate decided that life, her life was just going to be work and she became a successful lawyer and that she was now leaving for Paris. There's the generic rom-com trope at the end where he goes to the airport to stop her from boarding the plane. They go for coffee and they appear happy, but we don't know what they're discussing because the camera pans out and the credits start to roll. And that's the end of the film. It, it, like we just said, like it's a nearly, I think it was two hours, seven minute runtime or something ridiculous. And it's the type of film that you can just blast through because there's not a lot to it, unfortunately. Uh, the budget on this one was $60 million. <laughs> I, I have absolutely no idea. I've said this a lot on this podcast. Where was that money spent? This is a fucking tax write off, isn't it? That's got to be, I mean, it's only a couple, actually. It's 2000, isn't it, this? Yeah. Has Fast and Furious come out by this point? It's 2001. Got in 60 seconds. Uh, got, sorry, yeah, got in 60 seconds, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, has that come out yet? Yeah, that was 2000, wasn't it? Oh, okay. So it's not, like, it's not like, you know, they've had amazing success off the back of that commercial success, that is. So now he's, his price has skyrocketed. Yeah, but this is not that many years after Face Off, so he's... Mm. he's Prime wage, Tommy, for his, yeah. his fee is going to be astronomical, isn't it, at this point? Yeah, and so was she was pretty big as well around about that time, the whole David Duchovny thing. So that's where it's gone. It's gone on them and some fake snow, probably. <laughs> that's probably, it is probably is the fake snow where the, um, they've spent it. Because, I mean, even at this point, like Don Cheadle isn't really uh, that well known. I mean, and that's sort of. Echoed in the fact that his character is pretty much ignorable throughout most of this film. He's just pretty much there. Mm-hmm. The box office return, though, was an even healthier $124 million. It, it was a roaring success. I can believe it because it's, 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 and I'll say this in the nicest way possible it's Christmas shite that people love to digest. <laughs> um, and, and, and people love it, so I can one hundred percent believe it. It doesn't that doesn't come as a shock to me at all. It's not a shock, but the shock is that no one's heard of this film twenty one years later. You'd think something that's 
got that much of a return for what the investment was, mm. you think, well, this is why is this not on every year? Mm. It's like Sky Cinema Christmas and all bollocks like that. Even even the Sony Christmas Channel, it's never seen. Mm. I think, Matt, I think you are right. The reason this made so much money was the fact that it was a Christmas film at Christmas. So the other big releases in December 2000, Dungeons and Dragons, What Women Want, Dude Wears My Car, Miss Congeniality, Castaway, and best of all, Battle Royale. So there's no Christmas films in the list of Mm. big films released in December 2000. So you, you are right, I think, that people wanted a Christmas film at Christmas. Even though there's much better films out there. Oh, totally. But like you trying to convince you try and convince your missus to go and watch any of those films. Maybe Miss Congeniality, maybe What Women Want. But that time of the year, you go to the German market, you go to watch a Christmas film, a new one if you haven't already stayed at home. Because you've got to think of two thousand, you know, DVDs and stuff exist or VHSs or whatever. Um, but it's not anywhere near as easily accessible as it is now. So like, you know, you go to cinema to watch a Christmas film. And this is on, so you go see it, or or do you go and watch the Japanese film about school kids killing themselves? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean you do go see that, but the majority, the vast majority of people wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, and you you have got to wonder now if I'm saying 15 years time is um, is last Christmas going to be forgotten forever? God, it hope. needs to be. It needs to be. I would I would gladly take the listens away from our listener figures if it meant that last Christmas never existed. <laughs> I'll be on at you again. You won't learn. Incredible. Uh, so the scores on this one, what do you fellas think? Five. Five, five and four. <laughs> I don't think it'll be reviewed that badly because the, I don't think it was... I don't think it'll be reviewed that badly. Critic, critic will be worse. Critic, 5.5. Audience, 6.5. Yeah, you're pretty close there. So the Rotten Tomatoes critical score was 53%. Their audience score was 67%. And the IMDb score was 6.8, which was one point less than Pig Got that we did a few (laughs) months ago. (laughs) And you still got that cough, Stu? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's the cold weather. Yeah, you, you want to get to the doctors, mate. It's been months. <laughs> so the critical response. Rotten Tomatoes said, despite good performances by Cage and especially by Leone, the family man is too predictable and derivative to add anything new to the Christmas genre. Also, it sinks under its sentimentality. It's fair. Uh, Michael Dakina from the movie report, Ratna isn't capable enough director to work the alchemy needed to make this cheese into gold. Jeff Anderson from Combustible Celluloid. The makers of The Family Man were trying to do a kind of reverse It's a Wonderful Life without ever realising that it doesn't work on paper, much less on screen. And finally, Rich Klein from The Shadows on the Wall. Thoroughly engaging, yet nothing new. I, th- I think they all sum it up pretty well. It's run-of-the-mill, cheesy Christmas nonsense. Uh, you know, I suppose that's all it was ever going to be, and that's pretty much what was delivered. Well, spot on, really. I mean, it is Christmas fanciness, sh- Christmas chicanery and tomfoolery, but 
it's not delivered in a terrible way. So, you know, but it has, I mean, is, is there any film that you could really sit down and go, God, any Christmas film that you could go, God, that had depth. God, that really, that really, that really hit home. That did, or well, that really, you know, really meant something to me. Die Hard. Well, <laughs> well, it's the exception that proves the rule. Uh, obviously, the maniacs at Amazon.com they seemed to love this movie. It got a four point six out of five. It's one of the highest rated films that we've done from Amazon. Ninety uh, percent gave it four or five stars. Shakespeare, us from the UK, said in 2019, I was nabbed in my local store by someone saying, have you watched The Family Man yet? And well, I hadn't. Who is talking about this film in 2019? (laughs) Let alone going up to strangers in their local (laughs) stores. Have you seen this? Uh, JJ gave it five stars. Uh, Only 12 months ago, this review was as well. Very clever movie. Great acting. Thought-provoking Past, present, future, we live them all, sometimes, every day. I don't know what that means. Uh, Lou, such a great film, light and fluffy, it may be, but it's also quirky and funny, an excellent chick flick. Nick Cage has perfect comic, ti- comic timing, and Tia Leone is brilliant. Is this film a chick flick? Mm, kind of. If it wasn't based at Christmas, it would be, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, I don't know though, because chick flick would it follow? Would it follow Nick Cage if it was a chick flick? Yeah, but that's the difference. It's he's the one changing himself, eh? So but would yeah, female empowerment and all that kind of thing. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I remain unconvinced on that one, I've got to be honest. And Oh My Darling said, it's a bit of a romantic comedy heart tugger. A man who thinks he has everything, but the cli- quick glimpse of his would-be life finds out he's missing out on the bigger picture. True love and family life. This is a film to watch on a rainy Sunday afternoon. Definitely a chick flick. It won't disappoint. So the good, the bad and the crazy. Stu, kick us off. Then I actually enjoyed it. That was a good thing. After not not having a clue about what it was, the fact that it's a Christmas film that I hadn't heard of or seen anywhere whatsoever. Um, and I thought, for as, as much as we kind of picked it apart and laughed at it, and I thought what it did, it did well. And, yeah, it's never going to win any awards. It's never going to be the best Christmas film you'll ever see, but in the same way that like last year when I watched, I watched four Melissa Joan Hart films because they were Christmas films <laughs> and yeah, they were all shit, but they were, they've, it's that time of year where you watch nonsense like this for no real reason. When there's obviously, if you've got taste and, and better things to do with your time then do that, but it fits perfectly for what it is. It doesn't pretend to be anything else because it is everything else. Um, and I think I just I liked it for what it was. I mean, the bad, I mean, the bad is probably the middle act, like we've already said, that it's too, it's too much of a, oh, this, this wacky scenario and then this wacky scenario. It's not really, 
you could move it all around and you could have the bowling thing first. You could have the things in the tire shop first. It doesn't really matter which way them, them things are arranged because they're kind of irrelevant and it's, they're just, they are just filler. Mm. But at the same time, without them, you'd be on something like 70 minutes long. So I can see why they're there. It's just that they're not really done that well. Um, but they're crazy. I mean, they're crazy. Let's get back to that Tilly only body double that looks nothing like her. <laughs> she doesn't even have the same shape body. That that's what I've got in my notes. Like that that clearly isn't her in the shower. It's like it's a complete different body shape and everything. <laughs> you think? Let's get it right. I mean, she's the one in the shower has got massive tits. Tilly only does not. No. <laughs> That's a, a clear indication right there. Um, the boobs don't get bigger when you take a bra off, especially with someone as svelte as she is. So I thought, well, this is all nonsense. Um, <clears throat> even if we talked about FHM for 10 minutes earlier on, this is the way the world went, and this is why they cancelled it, because shit like this was going on. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, that was my crazy as well, funnily enough. Um my good was that Joel McKinnon Miller was in it. Scully from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes, he was. Other than an episode of The X-Files, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. And that made me smile seeing him because, well, we all love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And the bad. Oh, right, here we go. <laughs> the whole seed of this film doesn't make sense. It's all based on the wrong decision. The problem is that Jack has a fucking awesome life and he wants to trade it in for this shit alternative life doesn't make sense it's not like that he was miserable in his old life he was happy in his old his, in the his normal reality so that was nonsense both him and kate were successful wealthy going places in their solo lives as a married couple couple their life was just mid that's all it was just mid and even though we're supposed to believe that Jack is happy he still tries to get this other life back saying that he wants to stay in this new life but the fact that he goes for this job interview shows that he doesn't want that life. He wants his old life. He just wants Kate. That's all it is. So I don't think that the lesson that they're teaching is necessarily the right lesson. So that's my bad, is the fact that it's just fucking nonsense in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and also, there's just no excuse for it being over two hours. Just no excuse at all. Matt, what's your good, bad and crazy, please? So the good, I thought the interactions between Nick Cage and his newfound daughter were really sweet. And, you know, the fact that he um, was made out to be an alien alien, um, in (laughs) her eyes, I thought it was just a really nice little touch. And generally how they approached him trying to remember his life or or his, his previous life that he hasn't actually lived, I thought was done quite well. Like it was like just the dialogue that was used or the way that he interacted with his daughter or his friends, I thought was, was, was actually quite well done. I thought, Mm. you know, it could have been a lot more, um, shoehorned in, I guess. Speaking of shoehorned in though, this is only a Christmas film in the fact that there's snow in it. It it could have been, you know, it's, it's, it's as much of a Christmas film as Die Hard is a Christmas film. So take that, take that as you will. Um, you know what I mean? It's it, because it's set around Christmas time. Now I've got no problem with Die Hard being a Christmas film. 
But if anyone th- ever throws at me that it's not, I'll ask them to watch this and say, well, give me the same argument then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, sh- the Christmas stuff is very, because, you know, magic happens at Christmas. That's all that it really added to it, that it's Christmas time. It wasn't even like all of these things were happening on Christmas Day. Like getting a removal firm in on Christmas Day to move <laughs> all of us stuff. Like, really? Is that a thing? Like, people, like, it's just a bit silly, really. Um, the crazy, really, and it's happened in other films, and I get it, but, like, the believability or lack of, in my case, that Cage is a stud, and <laughs> he can he can win the affections of some absolutely gorgeous women. And credit to the actors involved because they make it look believable when off the screen, me watching it, I just think to myself, how the hell did he do this? Because it just take it just it's just it's just unbelievable. Mm, it is, isn't it? Like obviously the whole point of the film is that it's an unbelievable instance of magic happening. But yeah, you are right. It does stretch the um stretch the plausibility of things, doesn't it? That Everyone seems to fancy Cage, and it's just odd. But, yeah. But, yeah, I just felt the whole film, like, films are supposed to be that it's the journey, not the destination. But, obviously, like, the destination is all that matters in this film. The journey was utterly irrelevant throughout this movie. I think that's why I didn't really enjoy it. Moving on to the, the next part of it, did you enjoy the film? I think that's why I didn't enjoy it, is that it was sort of irrelevant for the vast part, majority of it. It was just kind of forgettable. It needed to be funnier as well. It, it wasn't funny enough to be a romantic comedy, and it wasn't romantic or heartwarming enough to be the romantic part of a romantic comedy. <laughs> so it was just a bit of a, not really. I didn't hate it, but I didn't really enjoy it either. Stu? I think, like, what um, like you said about how it was his life before was better. I think that's kind of... And he, he was perfectly happy in his life before. It, it's kind of... It was weird because it's similar to kind of what I did, like, 15 years ago, where I said, well, okay, I'll give everything up. I'll be, I'll be the one who stays at home. I'll be the family man. And it... And then you think, oh, yeah, you're constantly coming up with schemes to make yourself better. But then it is about settling for what you've got in the moment, like we talked about months ago with Pig. And um, <laughs> But there was actually a part in this when when he did wake up and his kids was gone, and then when he met up with her and it was like, oh, no, she, them kids don't exist. And I was actually quite gutted. <laughs> and I, it was like when um, in Ghost Whisperer when her, her husband dies and then he comes back but in a different body and it's not the same and it, it was like even these really ridiculously stupid things that you think well normal people don't get emotional about this but I actually was quite gutted and then when it ended and it, the scroll came up I was like oh so the kids that he's bonded out in these last so it was six weeks because they were talking about Valentine's Day, were they at one point? Mm, yeah. So in these six weeks, they never existed, and it was just a glimpse. I thought, oh, that's actually really sad. <laughs> so 
And for a film as silly nonsense as this, I've got to give it some kind of credit for that. So I and I did enjoy it, and I'll probably will, like I said, we're trapped in paradise. I'll watch this again because I did kind of like it. It was kind of sweet in a weird way. Trapped in paradise was shit, but <laughs> and in a but again, will I be watching that in the next month or so? More than likely. But this, this will be one of them where. I will watch it again at, at some point. And it will be a Christmas classic from now on. I demand, I demand it happen. <laughs> Matt? Uh, yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, but it, it, it has a, um, what is now becoming a category only occupied so far with two other movies. And that is Captain Karenny's Mandolin and City of Angels is films <laughs> I have absolutely no right to enjoy but did. Um, and, um, that, that it's, it's a strange category of films that like on paper I would despise, but it just had something about it that I quite enjoyed. Um, maybe it's cause I'd set the bar so low that anything, you know, it's, we're talking like only one broken leg when I was promised broken arms and legs. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the most part. But I was able to, ahead of time, kind of remove my brain going into it because I expected nothing. So I wasn't that disappointed, you know, with the plot or mise-en-scene or cinema. You know what I mean? Like, I just I was expecting yeah. the base level. So I was disappointed. Mm, that's fair enough. So based on this film and this film alone, was Nicolas Cage good or was he bad? Stu? Yes. I thought he actually did. He actually wasn't. For, for like Matt said earlier, he actually put himself into this in a lot of points where he had the chance to. When we had the, the crazy cage with the singing and all that nonsense, he had an actual bit of emotional range when he's talking to the daughter. Him being him being a sex symbol, who knows what that's about. Um, but we're, we're not the target audience, are we? So I have to uh, wait for Tara's opinion on that one. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was good in this. As and it, not even like a fifty-one, forty-nine good. I thought he was 60, 68, 70s for this for me. Matt, would you agree with that? I would. I would. Yeah, and it's strange because I've I've said no in better films than this, um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think he did throw effort into this. He hasn't got to the point in his career or the point in his own personal life where. He's just stopped giving a shit. Um, so he must have still had pride in his work at this point. Um, because I thought he put in, you know, he put in a good performance. Um, not perfect, you know, but we're asking, is he good, not is he great? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it was the scene where he sings, like you just mentioned, Stu. That's the scene that won, it, won me round, I think. It was one where you could tell that he was—he genuinely did seem to give a shit about the film. So, yeah, he gets a pass on this for me. I didn't particularly enjoy the film, but I thought he was fine in it. And like, I don't think anyone was particularly bad in it. Not even the kids, who, let's be honest, every film we've seen with mm. kids in have been fucking awful. But like, yeah, the kids were quite good in this too. So yeah, I'm I'm cool with it. So it's three goods on this one. So, I mean, to finish the sentence, if you enjoyed The Family Man, you may also like. Stu? 
It's a Wonderful Life because it's the same film. <laughs> yeah, it really is, isn't it? Uh, Matt? Um, Adam Sandler's Click. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I, I'm not saying it's a good film, but if you liked this, you may like it. Again, it's a kind of willy won't he? What's he? He's got a life lesson to learn. Let's find a quirky way to for him to do it. Um, you should you should appreciate what you've got because you one day you might lose it. It's one of those kind of tales. And again, I preface this: I'm not saying it's a good film. The question isn't recommend a good film. It's <laughs> if you liked this film, recommend a film. So there we go. Yeah, fair enough. My answer is Scrooged. Like. Obviously, Bill Murray plays someone who is an asshole who mistreats the person who he turns out should be the love of his life. Um, and he goes through a Christmas Carol tale to find out that she's actually the one. It's quite a similar setup to this. I do think it's a much, much better film, though. Like, I love Scrooge, I think it's a tremendous movie. So, that would be my recommendation. So, that's another Nick Cage movie in the books. It's the last one of 2021 as well. So we can have a little bit of a break over the next few weeks from Nick Cage. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Obviously, if you've seen this one or anything else, get in contact. It's at CageFightingPod on the Twitter or CageFightingPod at gmail.com. Please make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And if you can tell your friends about us, it would be a wonderful Christmas present to the three of us. So finally, for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Look after yourselves and try and keep safe over this festive period. Uh, it can be a bit of a bugger for people, and our DMs are always open. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Very much echoed. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> That's actually going to be the next film we're going to be watching. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Oh, yes, it's time, baby. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it now. <laughs> yeah, it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. Sempre un amable, leggiadro viso, in pianto riso, in menzognero, la donna è moco. What you Mrs. Peterson. Hello, Jeff. You don't have to stop singing on my account. Well, it's because I'm shy, Betty. So, when are you going to leave that old corpse, Mr. Peterson, and run away with me?